have to, you know, bring my best self. Uh, so that really inspires me and motivates me. Um, I'm a very community-oriented person, so I get a lot of energy from doing things for the community. <clears throat> so just kind of reminding myself of why I'm doing this and why I'm here really helps. Like, I don't like socializing for socializing sake, but if there's a purpose, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Oh My Curry Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Hamza Islam, and this is a podcast where I talk to Gen Zers who are making a difference in their communities about their journey and how they became the person they are today. I want to truly know what it's like to be a human being and just see how they see life from their perspective. Because ultimately, while every one of us have a destination or a goal we want to reach, we cannot underestimate how important it is to talk about one's journey because these stories are ultimately what make us human beings. It doesn't matter who you are, this is one of the few things that we have in common. Now this week, I'm very excited to have Ohio State Representative Munira Abdullahi, who is one of the first Somali-American and first Muslim woman in the Ohio State Legislature. She is someone who I actually got to meet in person, and I remembered when I first met her, I was like, I'm a terrible human being, so I immediately just said, hey, State Representative Munira Abdullahi, I'm so glad to meet you, and I forgot to say my name. But we've got to meet over time, and um, we were just talking about when exactly we're gonna make this happen, but I'm really glad that she found the time because I know she's a very busy person dealing with all the political stuff happening in the state of Ohio. So State Representative Munir Abdullahi, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm glad that we could find a time. Thank you for having me. And like I said, like your, your introduction was perfect. You, you went straight to business, and so glad I'm here. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And I'm really glad that we actually got to be able to have, make this happen. And I know you are a very busy person because as a state legislator, I mean, anyone involved in the political landscape has a thousand things going on. But I do want to ask you because I know, I mean, given that you are now one of the first people, first Somali-American, first Muslim woman in the state legislature, I feel like now you are someone that has really opened the door for possibilities for people who look like you. I do want to ask how much your life has changed since all of this, because I know, you know I'm sure that your life was busy before all this. But now it feels like everywhere you go, people just want to have you at sort of some sort of event. And I remembered, um, I mean, I would see on your social media, you're going from one event to another event to another event. And I think while it's great to interact with the community, it definitely is, there's definitely a lot of things going on. It can sometimes be hard to just look after yourself if, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it's definitely gotten a lot busier. I think before I was like, you know, I just said yes to every opportunity. So I was doing a lot of things. Uh, and now, like, I didn't even drop many of those things. So I'm still doing all my previous work. I'm still uh, like the youth director for the local Mass Muslim American Society chapter, and I'm the program manager for Mass National, and I'm the state representative. Uh, but yeah, it's like people want me at a million different events. Um, I'm not a very social person, but I know how important it is to them. So I'm like, as an introvert, just going out there, you know, putting myself out there, it's so exhausting. But it's, it's, I know it's worth it because, uh, this is what the community kind of, um, uh, you know, needs me for. But it's a lot. Yeah, like I will wake up, I'll wake up uh, and I'll go straight to business. And then I'll be out the house till 9, 10 p.m. So it'll be like a 9 to 9 or 10 to 10 kind of day. Um, so it's really, they're just really, really long days. I still think it kind of forgot the balance of like taking care of myself and doing all these things. But I don't, I haven't really fit my my own uh, self-care schedule yet. It's been like five, I know it's been like six months, like I should have figured that by now. But um, the legislature is very busy because not only do I have to do all these 
social events and community engagement to make sure people know that I still care for them. So out there, um, I still have to do the actual job they hired me for, which is, or they voted me in for, which is representing them in the state house. And if you may not, I don't know if you know, but the Ohio state house is a really crazy place. I mean, so we're dealing with a lot of, for lack of better words, craziness. Uh, so it's like, we're, we're in, we're on a defense mode every single day. And then we have to also do like our, um, appearances and things like that and then we also have to do uh, there's also political appearances so there's community appearances political appearances uh and then there's like the actual work work so yeah it's a lot i i can't imagine i mean i feel like it's hard because it's from a state legislative perspective you're trying to just do all the legislative process and then i feel like that's what makes it difficult because you are constantly trying to figure out how to what the, the you're trying to figure out the correct I, not the correct thing, but you're trying to figure out how to make, how to help the state in whatever way that may be. But then it's also like, wait a minute, you're also going out to events. And then some, oftentimes it feels like there's a misconception between who you really are. So it's like, for me, I'm like, oh, I guess she has it easy because all you have to do is just participate in events. But then you also mentioned the fact that our state house can be a bit hectic at times. And so it's like, now I got to do that side. So I can't imagine how you're doing this but I'm glad that in a way, and it was, it was interesting because I didn't know about the introvert fact that you're able to kind of just let yourself be known. Um, I think, and, I mean, especially because in the, in the political aspect, and feel free to be more specific in this, um, you are, it definitely challenges you to be more courageous and brave because it's definitely not easy, especially when you are talking to people who are different from you. And even if you're, like, like you said, the introvert part, the fact that you're just trying to challenge yourself and just try to be the best version of you. I think um, it's never an easy thing at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it's, it's really not. You have to push yourself out of your comfort zone um, constantly. Then you got to go home and recharge. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to start uh, with talking about your family because you are the second uh, person of Somalian descent who I've had on this podcast. I had uh, Tequila Councilman Mohammed Abdi uh back in february and um he talked about his challenges being a councilman but i want to start from the beginning in the sense that you grew up in a family of nine children which is very it's interesting because um very rarely do i get to meet people who grew up in a very large family for me i grew up with just a younger brother so it's just me and my brother and then my mom and dad um tell me a bit about what it was like to be able to grow up in a large family and secondly one of the things I sort of connect with you on is that you're the eldest in your family. So is there a part of you where you wished you were like one of the younger ones? Because it almost feels as though the your, your younger siblings are able to learn from your failure. So it's like, I'm going to make sure I don't do this because she did this and it didn't work well. So is there a part of you where you're just like, I wish I was the youngest one. So I didn't have to make, I didn't, I had someone to, I guess, learn from mistakes, if that makes sense. No, not really. I mean, because <laughs> I feel like learning from them personally, uh, you know, failure is the best teacher. Uh, you are, you, you really become uh, more wise and uh, you learn a lot from your individual failures. So I wouldn't take them away. And uh, also it gets me, I get to be the boss. <laughs> uh, I got all these like minions. So it's, it's, it's enjoyable. Uh, it, it definitely is a lot of responsibility, a lot of work, but um, I don't get the fact that it's what taught me how to be a leader um, and it's what taught me how to be compassionate and how to problem solve. It was like 
most of them are, like seven of them are girls. Well, yeah, eight of us are girls. So for the longest, it was all girls. So a lot of problem solving, a lot of, you know, de-escalation. Um, but being the oldest really taught me a lot, a lot of uh, skills for leadership. And uh, I think it's one of, it's definitely one of the reasons why I'm here today uh, as a leader. And it's why I, I've, I've thrived in so many leadership positions. Um, like first generation, it, eldest daughter is no joke, no joke at all. So no, I wouldn't, I would not want to be the youngest. I feel like they're, they don't have a lot of character. They're kind of spoiled. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. Cause I feel like, for a lot of us, we hate the term failure because it's like we don't we just want to make sure everything is right at the end of the day. And so I, I, I think seeing it that way is interesting where you're able to just you're able to learn from your mistakes. And because ultimately, I think um, another thing that we are because we are so scared of failure. And like I mentioned, how you're not afraid to just kind of put yourself out there. Um, the the willingness to, I guess, embrace failure and embrace the things that don't go your way is, is an important skill to have. And I think the fact that you're able to have it, that maybe your other siblings aren't, it's kind of bragging rights because you might be good at, you might be successful at the end of the day. I don't want to make it sound that like, you know, I wish you guys all the worst, but it's like, you know, I'm able to learn from these things because ultimately it's going to help me become a better person. And I think it's a message for a lot of us where uh, the earlier we embrace failure and the more okay we are while it's not okay to i guess it's not like i don't want to be in a i don't want to say that it's a good thing to fail per se like i don't want you to fail and be like i'm happy i failed but rather it's okay to be like you know what if these things don't go my way it's fine because ultimately while i may lose in the short term i might actually be successful in the long term and i feel like because of the things you've learned from your childhood it's now shaped you into why you are here today as one of the state representatives yeah, certainly. It's definitely not natural. It's something that I had to learn um, because perfectionism is also a thing. <laughs> but just, you know, uh, there's, a wisdom, there's wisdom in recognizing what your failures and, and recognizing that they did, they did happen for a reason. And I'm just the first time, like, I, you know, I realized, like, everything happens for a reason. So if I failed, this is like a lesson that Allah is trying to teach me. And I need to take whatever I can from that lesson and not waste it and then move forward to the next thing. So I try, I try not to fail. When I do, I step back and I humble myself. First, I cry a little bit, then I humble myself, and I <laughs> and I take the lessons and move on. That no, I think <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. But I I want to transition a slightly a little bit to uh, the fact that you know, I mentioned in the beginning you are one of the first Somali American uh, women in the, uh, in the state legislature, and I do want to talk about the relationship you have with your identity because I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you actually were born in Somalia. And you moved to, I think Utah, and then you moved to this, moved to Columbus, um, or it was Kenya. So I was born in Kenya first, and then because oh, okay. uh, I was in the refugee camp, I was born in the refugee camp. Then we went to Utah, and then Columbus. Oh, okay. So in that case, how would you describe the relationship you had with your own identity, especially growing up in a in a culture that's vastly different? Because for me, I mean, I grew up. I was born in the United States, but my parents were born in Bangladesh, and so the the culture is vastly different when comparing to South Asian culture or South Asian country to the United States. So for you growing up, were you, I guess, I don't want to say were you proud of your identity, but were you someone that kind of questioned or tried to, I guess, fit in by trying to become someone you're not, or were you always staying true to who yourself, regardless of whatever the changes may be? Um, well, first of all, 
Bengalis are literally the coolest people. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, I, I don't know. I think I was one of the very stubborn, stubborn, stubborn mindset. Uh, not only am I the leader for my, my siblings, but I have a lot of cousins. So I think I, they always looked up to me. So I don't know if that kind of gave me the confidence to be who I am. I don't know. I'm trying to find the factors here, but um, mainly as a Muslim, uh, as a Somali as well, but mainly as a Muslim, especially because my parents really uh, fostered an environment where I could feel comfortable. Like my dad, you know, he's take, he, he founded um, two uh, Islamic centers. And one of them kind of started, he restarted it. And then the other one, he started himself. Um, so I grew up in the masjid and I grew up in these spaces with other people like me. So I did feel the confidence to be more like myself. And then when I went outside into the real world, uh, I didn't feel the need to conform. I, I kind of understood the value of being myself in that. You know, the diversity of the world is what makes the world better, especially, you know, by the diversity of America. It's a very diverse country. And um, trying to uh, assimilate and become like everyone else, it just kind of kills the fun. I don't know. I've always been a weird person. I embraced it. So I'm like, I'm already weird. Let me embrace my actual <laughs> identities. So I think that, you know, it gave me a lot of success. Uh, these people do resonate with you when you don't try to be someone that you're not. So I've always been um, true myself and not really afraid to, to embrace my identities. And um, and again, I think being in these places really did help. Like growing up in the masjid and growing up in math, I got to see people who are proud of who they are. And math is literally the most American society. Like the model is to become Muslim Americans who are beneficial to American society and are still um, true to their Islamic identity. So I think that like um, growing up in that environment really helped me shape my, my, my identity and, and be strong in it. Yeah. Tell me a bit about what led you to doing public service, because I read, I saw somewhere you, I think you wanted to get into med school and then you ended up doing something, you wanted to pursue architecture, but then you ended up now deciding to go on this public policy journey. Mm -hmm. What ultimately led to you doing that and um, why you decided you felt how you knew that this was something you wanted to do and not something where you kind of were going to regret later on in the future? Yeah, I like that. So originally, I, well, firstly, I was always in public uh, service, right? I, I've been in math as a youth director and doing community service, community work uh, throughout all of high school. And it was kind of like a side thing that I did. And I just, you know, like, this is my personality. I didn't think about the career. Um, so I, I really liked, I did career center in high school and I really enjoyed uh, the medical class. I did amazing. I was like, you know, top of the class. I had like 4.5 in the medical uh, classes. And I was like, I'm going to go to med school. And I went, that I interned for a doctor and I hated it. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do this, man. Um, but I did enjoy like science and my, you know, I do enjoy biology and all that stuff. But then um, then I just transitioned to architecture because I was like, I want to do something creative. I have ADHD, by the way, <laughs> you can't tell. So I was like, you know, I want to do something fun. I want to do something exciting. Um, and at the time we were like thinking of expanding the math center. I was like, I want to design the math center. <laughs> I went into architecture and I realized it was like a lot of engineering and math and not a lot of drawing like I thought. So that's not for me. Uh, and then kind of did exploratory classes and I realized I, I really enjoyed, um, and during the time there was like a lot of, um, I mean, there always is, but there was like a lot of turmoil happening in like the, the global sphere. Um, so I got really interested in uh, defense, like uh, war and peace, um, counterterrorism and um, just peace and security and diplomacy. So I started taking a lot of classes like that. And so I, my degree was actually political science, international relations, diplomacy. 
um, with a focus on like peace and security. So my thoughts were go to the UN or State Department and just, you know, do something in the world. Uh, I don't know what I thought I was going to do, like uh, foster world peace or something. Um, but then in 2020, that kind of shifted. I guess, you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot ha happening uh, in the world and there's a lot happening in America. So I, I got more involved in local politics and the protests um, and then just grassroots movements. And I realized like there's so much going on at home. Uh, so this is where I want to focus my efforts. I started connecting and I realized I was in a very special position where, you know, I had community trust. So I could start um, communicating with local officials and connecting them to uh, the community, fostering that trust, trying to build like, you know, better relationships with them. Uh, but then the redistricting happened and we had, had brand new maps for Ohio. And if you may not know, it got, it was very gerrymandered maps, which is like really bad. They just like drew the maps however they wanted and they added new spots and just to make the majority win. But um, out of those new spots, there was a new district that the math center was right right in the middle of. It was a brand new district and no one has it. Uh, it's where the last you know, 10, 12 years as a public servant, right, as a, as a nonprofit uh, person. And just spoke to some people. I'm like, you know what? Instead of waiting for someone else to run for it and then complaining about it later on, potentially, why not go for it myself? So, you know, with the support of a couple people around me, spoke to, um, the party had a new director then, and he's like, a, he's a really young guy. He's almost my age, and he's a person of color. And he was like, look, let's get you in there. <laughs> it's about time. So he really supported me throughout the way and, and uh, other people like him. So I just decided, you know what? Um, I've, I've always been the kind of person who's like, if I see a problem, like I'm going to try to solve it myself and not for, for, wait for anyone else. So I just went for it. I feel I feel I feel like that's probably the best thing we can always do, which is the fact that like if no one else is doing it, we might as well. And kind of tying back to when we first started uh, talking about the fact that even though you grew up as the eldest, you were bound to make mistakes. But ultimately, you're going to think about, OK, I'm going to be able, I want to take this or I'm going to take this opportunity by the horns. I forget the analogy, but um, it's it's about taking that opportunity and obviously yeah there are things that are not going to go your way but ultimately um it, it is a learning experience and it's going to suit you into becoming a better person now you you brought up something interesting which is the fact that you could have worked at the u.n or you could have tried to work at the u.n but ultimately you're very passionate about local politics and grassroots as well and as a state representative i'd love for you to talk about how important local politics are because we always we care so much about what's going on at the federal level and rightfully so don't get me wrong but also more importantly you know you are someone that's trying to make the state of ohio your, your community better and sometimes we don't really understand how critical local politics are so i'd love for you to talk about you know how important that aspect is yeah man this is what i've been preaching like local politics is everything like we think that the, the the presidential elections and even congressional elections mean much, but really they don't affect us that much. <clears throat> the presidential elections will affect us marginally. Um, and if they do, they'll affect us like, you know, a couple of years later uh, when their policies finally come into place. But local politics affects you like today, tomorrow, like the next five years, next 10 years, like they're, they're always affecting us. So electing the right people locally is so, so important. When people complain about, you know, school funding, they complain about the streets, they complain about uh, police, uh, you complain about even local, like healthcare, it's still local, um, even college. Uh, a lot of these things can be solved locally. And it's because of local officials 
where we either have this uh, progress or this hindrance. So who you elect as a state representative, as a commissioner, as a city council member, as a mayor is so important for like literally every issue that affects you in your everyday life. And we, and we see the differences between, um, you know, different states on how their local, like their local officials are affecting their policies. Like just to look at Minnesota, like they just, they just got a majority, this, this GA, right? Like a very slight majority for Democrats. And they've got to pass um, better health care. They, they passed paid family leave and sick leave. They, pay, they passed um, minimum wage increase for Uber drivers. They passed driver license for undocumented immigrants. They passed, God, it's just like the longest list of things that are going to affect people and make their lives better in the next two to five years like immediately. So it's just a, it's huge. I can't understate, I can't understate how important it is to get involved in local politics and, and just at least vote. Yeah. Do you feel like as someone who is a state legislator, do you feel like that's something you want to continue to um, continue to communicate with other people? Because, I mean, obviously we have I mean, we are now seeing a lot of candidates start announcing their presidential runs. And it's like, all right, 2024, let's get ready. But then we also it's also easy to forget that we also have an election coming up in 20, we have an election in 2023. So do you feel like as someone as a rep, state representative, that's something you want to continue to communicate with um with the people that you are serving or even like with all the events that you're attending the importance of continuing to vote as if it is a presidential election like 2023 we're not going to see presidents but nevertheless it's still important to vote in these elections at the end of the day yeah i talk about it a lot and i'm going to continue talking about it because these are the colleagues that i have to work with <laughs> and these are the people who will block or pass my bills like i and unfortunately like i, I say this all the time Ohio, the Ohio State House is not a great place right now. I mean, we have an insane supermajority. We have bills on the back burner that would literally save lives. Like we have a universal health care for all Ohioans bill. Um, we have gun, uh, gun protections, gun safety bills. Um, we have minimum wage increase bills. We have uh, bills that will make it better for people who are uh, recently in the incarceration system. We have, like, we have um, insane amounts of bills that access for everyday people. We have bills that just won't even make it onto the floor because we have the super majority and some people just don't want it to come to the floor. Like it's literally, they won't let it come to the floor. We can't even vote on it, talk about it. So these are the people that you elected. These are the people who are stopping progress that like we have to vote them out <laughs> and vote some decent people in um, so we can actually get things moving. So I, I definitely will talk about it because I'm one person, I'm one vote. I can't like just make things happen on my own. Um, and my friendly colleagues are like 30. So it's it's a, it's very hard to get anything done. I I want to transition into kind of going back to now your journey as a state representative because you talked about how when we were talking about like what it's like to be able to participate in all these events, um, you described yourself as an introvert and now you're kind of putting yourself out in the public. And as someone who had that when you were first starting out, how difficult was it to be able to? convince people to vote for you and vote for the policies that you believe in because even though you have a really good idea and obviously it's like no one else is getting involved why not me but then there's also these things where you have these internal battles that you're going through so it's like being an introvert or trying to get out of that zone of being an introvert is never easy and I'll admit I'm also an introvert as well so trying to be able to tell people who I am can be a difficult journey so even though you really believe in something and that you can, you think that you can best serve your community, 
tell me about what it was like early on trying to get the word out and trying to battle that introvert part of you. Yeah, you know, I am introvert, but I'm an introvert with like surprisingly good social skills. So that really helped. And I, and I learned a lot of my social skills from, I did sales in like college. So to get me through college, I really used to work at Best Buy. Um, so working at Best Buy really helped me tweak my social skills and get better at it. Um, <clears throat> so I've been pretty charming, but I have to really hype myself up before uh, every event. Like I gotta give myself pep talk. Um, <clears throat> for my political events, I found like a buddy who's extroverted. So we just go to all the events together. Um, so he talks. And then for like social events, I kind of, um, I really run off of the energy of these people really want me to be here. Uh, they trust me and they, they look up to me. So I have to, you know, bring my best self. Uh, so that really inspires me and motivates me. Um, I'm a very community oriented person. So I get a lot of energy from doing things for a community. <clears throat> so just kind of reminding myself of why I'm doing this and why I'm here really helps. Like I don't like socializing for socializing sake, but if there's a purpose, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I, I I can agree. I feel like the same way where like, even though I'm an introvert as well, I, I do. I mean, I, there are moments where like, as long as there's a purpose, I'm willing to give you the best version of me. And so I, I, I saw somewhere that you were, you didn't have an opponent, like a, like a Republican opponent, but you did have a primary and you ended up winning that, but then you and then ultimately when, when election day came, you just ran unopposed. And so you ended up winning but nevertheless how difficult was the campaign as a as a whole because i feel like even if you ran unopposed it feels like it's an easy win or a journey because ultimately your biggest opponent would then be your the person you're battling in the primaries but as far as trying to get the word out trying to get people to believe in you trying to uh put trust in someone that maybe we haven't seen in the past or in the state of ohio how difficult was it still to be able to convince people that you are the right person for the job even if you didn't have a direct opponent yeah i think most of the work was definitely during the primaries um it, it was a lot of work but i thankfully had a lot of community members behind me and a lot of volunteers i mean like young people really came out like a lot of people really came out most of the people really came out um and i think that was super helpful like i had a team behind me I was, I was learning things like as I went, because I didn't have like official campaign manager in the beginning. Um, and then I started having like a consultant for a little bit, but the learning process is really hard because there's so much that goes into a campaign. Like you really have to, um, like you have a lot of boxes to check off, especially fundraising. Like unfortunately so much of American politics is tied to money and how much you fundraise is directly correlated to how much power you can get or how much um, exposure you can get. So even if you're not, running against anyone like the amount of money you raise is how your colleagues will look at you in the future and like how how many opportunities you get in certain things um so raising money was definitely the hardest part uh just trying to host all these events and knock doors and uh print out literature and pass those out it was fun but it was difficult like it was fun because there was so many like young people in my campaign team we had a lot of we had a good time you know made a competition um and we we really bonded but um yeah it was a lot of work it was a lot of work i think the most important thing though was like getting the endorsement and that was the hardest thing like, that was where i was like this is like a turning this is like a, a a milestone if i can win the endorsement that'll that'll so the endorsement will decide whether my campaign is easy or extremely difficult so that endorsement like meeting so the way this works is like you go to a meeting um with the democratic central party 
and they'll have well, the county party they'll have like a before the meeting sorry they'll do an interview uh screening and then um you do like the mini like it's really scary like you do an interview with like four people in like one big room there's like they like a circle table around you <laughs> and that's the screening process and then you do the actual um meeting with like i think it's 200 members i think at that day 118 showed up and you do everyone gets a speech everyone gets like 10 minutes to do a speech Sometimes that feels really long, but it was like a couple of minutes to do a speech and your opponent also gets that. So the screening committee ended up unanimously nominating me. So they're like, yeah, we like her. We're going to unanimously nominate her for recommendation. Uh, we're going to recommend, recommend her. Um, and then I did the speech and then my opponent did the speech. Uh, there's also other people. It was a long day. Um, we were voting on those guys too. And then people got to vote on whether they want to endorse me or him. So Luckily, I ended up having, you know, a speech that really resonated with people. Like, they really loved it. And I got 98 out of the 118 votes. So it was, and that was like, I was like, dang, now the campaign is going to be pretty smooth. Because once you get that endorsement, it's really supportive. Like, they give you a lot of resources to put you on the sample ballot. Um, so it was, like, hard, but it wasn't horrible, if that makes sense. Like, it was a good experience. It was fun. No, that, that makes sense. Now, the common critic criticism when it comes to labeling people as politicians is that sometimes we forget that at the end of the day that you guys are human beings and so we'll, when we advocate when people advocate for certain issues they we, they'll go oh politicians are politicians they don't they're not real human beings we're suffering or we are victims of whatever that may be and it is very difficult to really try to put ourselves in your shoes so Yes, you are state representative Munir Abdullahi, but you're also a human being just like everyone else. And so for you personally, what do you feel like has been your biggest fear as a state representative? Because politics, like I said in the beginning, it's a scary field to be in and so many misinterpretations. So for you, even though you're trying to do good um, and trying to help inspire communities um, wherever you go, what do you feel like is your biggest fear that you hopefully are trying to overcome um, during this whole journey? I think it's not achieving um, like policy wins, I guess. Just like uh, trying to make things pass is super important to me, but it's looking very, very uh, impossible. <laughs> so really just trying to get things passed and, and having a track record of like successful policy. That's one of the big things that I, that I really care about. Um, I, I was worried like in the beginning of like um, misinterpretation and like people, you know, misreading my intentions or something like that. But then I realized like a lot of this is just, um, if, you, if you just are really, you focus on communication and are transparent, people, people really respond well to that. So I try to be as transparent as possible like on my social media accounts, like I'm very honest and truthful. Um, I am worried about like any controversial votes that come up. So far nothing has really come up, but just yeah it really is like my policy success like how successful am i passing laws that would benefit people i i think it is really important to be able to be as transparent as possible because for so many politicians it's it's like what are you guys doing and then it's very hard to understand what they're doing because there's no way to really communicate but yeah mm -hmm. I, I have seen your stuff on social media and obviously we'll put that on the uh the episode notes for people to follow but it is hard. It, it, it's, it's, I'm glad that there are people like you that are willing to kind of give, I guess, like a behind the scenes look of what exactly is happening, because there are, there's always going to be people that go, 
there's nothing's being done but then at the end of the day there is something being done it's just it's a lot more complicated than you think at the end of the day and before i let you go i do want to talk about and i hate to ask you this because i know you just started your role but what do you hope people remember you for um because obviously like like we mentioned before you one of the first somali american first woman in the ohio state legislator um Obviously, I feel like, and I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to ask this after you answer this question, but like, there's, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on you to be the best version of you and to inspire people who, uh, inspire people who look like you to be able to recognize that anything is possible, whether it comes to being a state representative or a person itself. What do you feel like is your biggest goal that you hope to accomplish? Uh, in the state legislature, it would be. Um, passing some bipartisan uh, policy. And then two, I'm starting to really enjoy like being very like critical in committee. So asking good committee questions and breaking people down that come in with terrible um, bills or testimonies, that's been really fun. <laughs> so I think just someone who's like hard hitting with their questions and you know fought, uh, breaks um, these testimonies down and then someone who passes bipartisan policies. Do you ever, and this is, this is gonna be my last question. How much pressure do you put yourself in that you try to be the best politician possible so that you're able to convince other people, other Somali Americans that, you know, this is possible. Cause I mean, in South Asian cultures, and I'm sure, I don't know if this is the way, if you relate to this in, in like the Somali culture, but we can be our biggest allies, but we are also our biggest critics. So do you feel like as someone, um, how much, I guess the question I want to ask is how much pressure do you put yourself and hoping that there can there continues to be more more people like you in the future. Yeah, definitely a lot. Especially in being a first is really crucial because um, there's so many eyes on you, and like there's, there was no example before you. So it's a uh, it's very crucial the example that you set. Um, it's it's gonna set the stage for other people going forward. So a lot of pressure for sure, and also like just generally like the amount of leadership is so serious. Like the, you know the amount of means of the the trust of leadership, it's super important, it's super serious. So I, I definitely don't take that lightly um, uh, because I know I'll be asked about it, right, at the, the end of the day. So I take that very seriously and I really do want to bring in other people, but generally people who have like good intentions though. Like I, I am not uh, deluded in thinking like just because they're Somali or Muslim, like they're going to come in with good intentions. Like I, I've seen people come in and they don't have good intentions. They just want to make a name for themselves and they're not in it for the community and that's going to hurt us at the end of the day. Sometimes representation is not always good. <laughs> I know it's controversial to say, but those people will come in and since there's so little of us, uh, the world will see them as the representation for all of us. And if they are not doing a good job, it's gonna hurt us in the long run um, and in the short run. So making sure that there's quality people coming in that care about the community, that represent the community in very honest and, and, and quality ways uh, is super important to me. So anyone that tries to come in, like I, I I honestly will, I, I will gatekeep the community, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll be like, what are your intentions? Like, what are you here for? Like, what do you want to do? Uh, and how are you going to achieve it? So if I see someone with good intentions and 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 they, they really want to make a difference, they want to make a change and they have a good and honest personality, I'm going to make the way for them. And I'm going to help them and, and help them every step of the way. So uh, for example, like, uh, this is not even in Ohio, but there's my uh, good friend of mine now, his name is Parvez Agwan. He's running for Congress, actually, and he'll be the first um, South Asian, he's from Pakistan, South Asian uh, and Muslim congressman in Texas, if he wins, 
And he's, you know, I like, you know, did a little phone interview. Like he's an amazing guy. He has good intentions. He has good policies, good background. Like I'm like, you go, dude. I'm gonna support you. I'm gonna help you out. We're gonna make make it happen. Um, also, if you're in Columbus, he's gonna come to Columbus the 20th, the 24th, I think, June 24th. But like supporting those kind of people is really important to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it is really important to understand a person's intentions because. And it goes back to the why you do things at the end of the day, because if you're in it for the right reasons and not worry so much about trying to, it's not like something you, I guess you could brag about or kind of like let people remember you for, as long as you do it because you want to use, use your, um, use your skills for the greater good and find a way to improve your communities. That's what politics is about. And you're right. We do need a lot more people that uh, want to want to do it because they see good in something or they want to change something rather than obviously unfortunately in the politics we live in today sometimes it's all about money and not about not about the community's interest or like what's what's in the interest of the community that you're serving and so i do hope that there are a lot of people like you and that you care so much about the community building and making sure that people know what's going on because um, I think there are a lot of people that are committed in politics, but ultimately they don't know where to go, but you're someone that's willing to, willing to try to help as many people as possible, as long as they have good intentions. So, um, state representative, I know you have a lot of things going on. I know how busy it can be, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'm really glad that we got to, um, have this conversation and, I look forward to seeing all the great things you do in the state legislature and in the future. Well, thank you for having me and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, if you ever need anything else from me, feel free to contact me anytime. I, my doors are open. I'm not, you know, the hard to reach politician. I, it might take me a few days to respond, but I will respond. <laughs> no, <laughs> so thank course. you. Thank you. Young people, please go out and vote. Uh, your future does depend on it. Like as dramatic as that sounds. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you guys like what you saw, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at the OMCG Podcast for more information on guests, preview clips, and more. Please continue to support this podcast, and I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. 